0: Welcome to the Postcard Academy, your weekly travel and culture podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Micatel. Last year, the New Yorker ran an article titled hashtag Van life, the bohemian social media movement, subtitle, what began as an attempt at a simpler life quickly became a lifestyle brand. And it's true. If you look up hashtag Van life on Instagram, you'll find nearly 3 million photos of perfect couples driving through the desert or drinking beer on top of their vehicle. But there are tons of people choosing to live in vans or RVs or old bread trucks because they really do want to live a simpler life, fewer things, more experiences. Gemma Patterson talked about her van life experiences with us on the house-sitting episode a few weeks back. Today, we are taking a deeper dive into van life. We'll hear more from Gemma and also from new guest Casey Shepard. Casey spent two years living in a van with her dog India Before embarking on her latest adventure, biking all the way across New Zealand, she just finished a 30-day, 3,000-kilometer bike ride, but she still made time to chat with us about the ins and outs of van life. I start out by asking Casey what was going on in her life before she began this two-year van life journey.
1: You know, I lived kind of the typical artist life. I was um, living in Los Angeles, working at one of the top restaurants in LA, working for some people in the rock and roll industry. I'm a jeweler and metalsmith by trade and wanted to break in the rock and roll industry. So I moved from Nebraska to Los Angeles and that was happening. And all these great things were happening and I just was not really digging it. I saw this path I was headed on and it just... I, can't, I just couldn't get adventure out of my head, you know, when I was a kid. I really, really hoped I would be Indiana Jones <laughs> and I would be in some foreign land exploring, like, unfound life or old, um, forgotten worlds. I just felt like I was getting... You know, I was 36 at the time, and I'm like, I'm never going to do this. And something just sparked in me, and I kind of got no depression in, in LA because I was like, I'm living my dream. Why am I not happy? And it's because it wasn't really my dream. And so I just traded it all in and decided to do an adventure, which happened to be van life. I was really looking for more personal fulfillments and purpose at a deeper level than than I was getting when I was in LA. There was something more that I was looking for. And I think actually what I was looking for was my my true self. And I didn't know that until I started van life.
0: So why life in a van, as opposed to moving to a new city or finding
1: a place in the countryside? I remember, I'm big into mountain biking and I remember mountain biking on this trail and there was this like RV sitting there and somebody had told me that Cause I was like, why is there an RV here? And somebody's like, well, there's a mountain biker that he just, a lot of racers will travel and live in a RV and go around and do mountain biking. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that'd be amazing if I could make jewelry and go mountain biking and, and do all this stuff. So I had seen that years ago. And then when I was in LA, it just kind of sparked with me. I'm like, I love to travel. I would travel around a lot for art shows and so I had driven all over the country, and I just thought it would just be a great idea. It just kind of kind of came to me after that that spark year from years ago.
0: So why would someone choose a van over a larger, presumably more comfortable RV, which is a recreation vehicle? I posed this question to Gemma.
2: Some people don't like the way that a bigger vehicle drives. They don't like the space constraints. They don't like not being able to park it. They are minimalists. They just want to get rid of stuff, like no more stuff. So they don't want to really like move into a smaller house. They just want to really simplify their life down to like the basics. And um, I think that's kind of a, something that I hear echo a lot, like drivability and then and money too, right? Like you can get a $50,000 sprinter van with the works in it that's considered like a class, I don't know, class A, class B RV or something. Or you can get like a five thousand dollar Ford Transit that you can put a bet in, right? Like so that's a yeah. piece of it too. Money. Yeah.
0: Casey is one of those minimalists. And she also wanted to be smart about money and not go into debt. So she bought
1: one of those Ford Transit connects, which she named Jones. I traded my car in and my brother and I spent a couple weeks um in Joshua Tree where he lives just converting it. And we had no idea. I knew that I needed a bed, um, a workbench for, to make metalwork and jewelry and storage and a place for my bike and kind of like maybe a little kitchen, but we didn't know how to do anything. And so we just, we just winged it and um, we put in this bed that would fold down and then you could fold it back up when not in use. And it would be a little, a workbench and there was lots of storage and a little hand sink with a hand pump and a place to put, like, my cooler and water. And so it actually ended up being really great. It's it's a pretty awesome rig, and it's still, like, proving after two years, it's, like, it worked out really well. So it's very homey. Could you cook in there? You know, I didn't bring gas I have a BioLite stove. That's what I use. It's a clean energy stove that uses sticks and twigs. I just never used it inside. I always cooked outside. So, and I mean, yeah, so I always cooked outside. So you could, you could rig it up to have like a little stove in there, like a little Coleman stove. But I just, I didn't, I wanted clean energy. So I didn't want to be refilling containers and have more waste so i used to buy a light stove
0: was there anything that you gave away because you didn't need it
1: (laughs) yeah i had this fan that you could plug in and i was like i don't know why i just thought i needed it for a while and i don't know why so i got rid of that there was a there were a lot of like little things along the way but i had pretty much minimized things um Clothes was one thing that I kind of went cycled through because of the seasons. So I would wear, you know, my summer clothes. And then when winter hit, I would kind of like donate my clothes to Goodwill and then go and buy some new winter clothes and kind of rotate through that because I didn't have a lot of space for clothes.
0: And what are some items that you couldn't live without?
1: My paper atlas, a paper map. That is definitely one thing uh, I learned on the first day with no cell phone service. To be able to find your way, to have a paper map. Also, water. (laughs) Couldn't live without water. And my dog. I can't live without my dog. All right, so you're
0: probably wondering how all this actually works. For example, where are all these van people going to the bathroom? Here's Gemma.
2: Some people have what a friend of mine calls a toity. She got this from a Bill Bryson novel. Um, It's like a jar that you pee in in the middle of the night, you know, Um, because you don't want to get out of the van. Like, and that's what some people do and totally doable and then when I lived in a van in New Zealand you know just stop at a bathroom like if you're at the grocery store and you gotta go you go there's a lot of there's actually a lot of bathrooms in your life just because you don't own a bathroom doesn't mean that there aren't bathrooms in your life and then a lot of these vehicles to live in like for anybody who's living the wander life they have grey water systems they have black water systems so they do actually make these cassette toilets there there are options like they can come with a toilet what's
0: a gray and a black system
2: gray water is doesn't have human waste black water does have human waste oh, so I that's see. how they that's the how they talk portable, about it portable,
0: like toilet things sorry this is totally unfamiliar <laughs> eh?
2: it's similar to like what you'd find on a boat or okay. in an rv So sometimes it's just, like, uh, you're collecting things and then you take the container of things, let's just keep calling it things, and get rid of it, right? Or sometimes it's going into a tank and then you're, like, draining the tank and there's, like, more chemicals involved, you know? So there's systems that range from the very basic capture the human waste, throw it away, to, like, capture the human waste, do something different with it, then get rid of it. I don't know if I have it in me. I might have to go to Barnes and Noble. You could <laughs> do pull it
0: over on Noble. <laughs> This is a little gross. Apologies if you're squeamish like me. Let's talk about something cleaner, like shower logistics.
2: We had an outdoor shower. So if we were in uh, like if we were camping somewhere, we could set this thing out in the sun and like get it hot and just have our own shower. But a lot of times we'd go to like a rec center which was great because we go, we take a shower, then we do our workout and then we take another shower. There are in America, there's truck stops and those showers are actually pretty clean. Like it can sound nasty, but some of the cleanest showers I've been in have been uh, truck stops in North America and then public showers in New Zealand. Certain places actually do have public showers. And then sometimes they just rent like an Airbnb for a night, you know, just take a little break. It was a tough transition for me. And then I just went, you know, you actually don't need to shower every day. And millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people in the world know this. Like maybe somewhere around like 5 billion people in the world actually don't shower every day and know that it's totally cool. Casey
0: is also a fan of not showering every day whilst living in a van and says that biodegradable baby wipes come in very handy. But then you have to get your clothes clean, which is not something that even
1: crossed my mind. So here's how Casey did it. I would sometimes do laundry by a stream or I'd go to a laundromat, which was a great place because then I could charge everything. And you, a lot of laundromats have Wi-Fi, so I could do some work. I could charge all my stuff up and I could get clean clothes. So the laundromats, as long as you don't pick a too shady one, because there are some shady people that sit laundromats, but they were a great resource too.
0: Yeah, the charging up thing actually didn't even occur to me. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. How does charging stuff work when you're driving? Do you, I don't have a vehicle. (laughs)
1: And Uh, so is it plugging
0: into your car or
1: it is. And, you know, I didn't get, that's the one thing that I want to, I still have the van and I would love to outfit the van with is some solar panels because that's something I just didn't have enough time to do before I left. I bought this little generator from, or the little battery pack, external battery from, um, goal zero. And I, I didn't get the solar panels that went with because I didn't quite know how to rig them up. And I was leaving in a couple of days. And so that's one thing that I would highly recommend is solar panels. A BioLite makes this really great just little solar panel that was really great for charging smaller items. Um, but I did have like where I charge through my, my car when I was driving. And like I said, I had that external battery. And then when I would go places or stay with people or go to a laundromat or sometimes you go to a gas station and you find a place and just plug in. Wherever you can find a public plug, I would just plug in.
0: Now we know where to go to the bathroom, where to shower, most crucially, where to find Wi-Fi. But where did you usually sleep? Where did you park the van?
1: I usually went to campsites. I have this really great app that a fellow traveler introduced me to that just told you like free campsites to paid campsites. And it was really handy. So I would always do, at first I would do a free campsite next to like a paid campsite. So if the free campsite was a little shady, then I would go to the paid campsite. But of course obviously you wanna to go to the free one first. And I would take some safety precautions. At first I didn't really, oh it's called All States is the app. It's a really great app. And I remember camping at this one free site in Idaho. and. I drove in and my gut was like, you shouldn't stay here. You shouldn't stay here. And I'm like, ah, it's free. You're gonna stay here. And I was like, I don't know. And I do this thing where I pull, I back into a spot so that my car is all ready, or the van's all ready to drive out if I need to. Like I, I, if there's anything that happens, I know how to get out. And so I just drive forward. And so I, I got in the van and was getting ready for bed. and. I was like, just go to sleep, and you'll wake up in the morning, and you can just leave. And then I started hearing like guns going off, and these people shooting off their guns, and so I got freaked out, and I drove off. And so that was the first time I was like, you know, go with your gut, no matter what, and even if it offends somebody, you got to go with your gut. And yeah, safety first. Yeah. So I stayed at a lot of campsites. I, you know, there's the Walmart parking lots. I'm a a woman by myself, I didn't feel comfortable staying in Walmart parking lots, but I know a guy that that does van life by himself and he loves the Walmart parking lots. I just, I don't feel comfortable staying in them. Um, And so I love, but I love campsites because I love that. I mean, there's facilities there, which is nice. I have parked on the street. I've stayed on the street a couple times, like outside friend's house or in people's driveways. But usually I know people in the neighborhood there's been once where I stayed and it wasn't really the great night's sleep but that's one thing I learned too it's you don't have to be a superhero you don't have to do the most daring thing just do what's right for you and what makes you feel comfortable and if that means like staying at really nice paid campsites then fine or if it means staying at free sites that's fine or Walmart parking lots great it's up to you
0: where did you go on this journey what (laughs) was on your must-see list (laughs) <laughs> and how did you balance that with work, I guess?
1: You know, there are a lot of like places. There are places that I wanted to go because of the people, because of the mountain biking, and because of the area. Um, places up in Oregon. Because I just thought it'd be beautiful, but then there were like some mountain biking. I did some coaching in Washington with Cat Sweet, who's amazing, and got to hang out with those mountain bikers. So I kind of I went all over the states. I didn't spend a lot of time in the South. I did go to like New Orleans and Alabama and Texas. It was mainly led by work, I do have to say, at first. And so I would go places because of work, and then after. I kind of got a little burnt out. I started going to places like I spent a lot of time in the desert near Joshua Tree, especially during the winter, just because it was such a great spiritual and beautiful place. And I could just be alone and just kind of enjoy.
0: I'm so interested in hearing more about how as an artist, you were able to support yourself. I know you're a metalsmith that you do lectures and workshops, but tell me exactly how you support your lifestyle.
1: You know, really any and everything. I mean, as freelance, I've been doing freelance for almost three years now. And yes, I am a metalsmith. But I do a lot of different things as well. Van life really opened my eyes to some different opportunities. And so at first, you know, with the metalsmithing, um, I used to do art shows and sell galleries and sell my, my jewelry and my art. And then when I started doing band life, it kind of changed a little bit where I started teaching workshops, which I never thought I would do because I'm a self-taught artist and self-taught metalsmith. And so that really kind of brought me some self-confidence that I could actually teach people how to do things and they could learn from me. And so I started teaching workshops and then someone suggested that, I guess a lot of visiting artists, that go to universities, they give a little lecture. And a lot of people that add the connections that I have through an organization, I'm part of an organization called SNAG. It's Society for North American Goldsmiths. A lot of the members are academic professors. And so in the metals departments, and so they said, hey, come visit our university, give a little lecture and visit and do an artist critique with our, our students. And So that really led into speaking and they would pay me to go visit, which was really great. I got to share my story. And then it kind of opened up and inspired these young girls and these kids to like go out and see life differently. And I could just see things spark in them and change in them. And so I really kind of just would take as many opportunities as I could and speak at and visit as many schools and art centers as possible to help kind of spread the the message of living an alternative lifestyle, but then you know I even did stuff where I worked at an art center and taught kids about metal smithing for a couple of months, and then worked at another art center and was in charge of like a studio for the summer. So I kind of really, I mean, I even like did like some stripping of wallpaper for my parents. Like I'll do, I did anything and everything just to pick up some money to keep me going. You don't have to be an artist to survive on the road, or
0: even an Instagram influencer, though as mentioned, you will see millions of examples of this. Gemma actually does make her living as a travel blogger, and on her podcast, Ticket to Blog, she talks all about this. But she says the fan community
2: is much more diverse than this. Really, it's just being able to work from anywhere to be a nomad. And as long as you have a Wi-Fi connection, you can work. So there are also digital nomads who don't talk about their life for the entire world to um, voyeuristically consume. <laughs> there are plenty of people who are like, you know, graphic artists and they are designing things for people or there are writers who are doing, they're doing ghostwriting or they're doing editing and there are techies who are helping build websites. And really there's some cool websites like up Upwork com is a really cool platform to look at just what's possible like i mean you can just flick through the jobs that are posted and go like you know i could probably do that like i know how to do that on my computer and just start working from your computer and then you can go anywhere
0: so yes there's diversity out there you don't have to blog if you don't want to you can do a million other things
2: there's this cool website called tropical mba and they have a whole article about this about how like their estimate is only w- 1% of people who are living this digital nomad life are A, bloggers, B, who are writing about it. So my version of the digital nomad life is, yes, having a blog. And I finally – I'm not really into money. So I haven't really worked that hard on the money parts of my site. So it takes me a long time to get around to We're the same person,
0: Gemma. I think we're the <laughs> same person. I'm like, <laughs> make money. I, I just want to write and travel around and
2: chat to people. So it's taken me four years. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But I think it's taken me four years to my goal is to make 600 bucks a month from my website. And now finally, for the last year and a half, I've hit that benchmark at least every month and that's really super exciting. And I'm, I'm finally making enough to just like buy groceries and not have to dip into my savings.
0: So how are you monetizing exactly? Like I know you're giving out great information, but are you asking for donations or are there any like affiliates who you work with?
2: Okay, here's a great example. You don't have to have travel insurance, but I'm to the point in my life now that I always get it. Whereas like when I first started out, I was like, I'm not getting this unless I absolutely have to. But now I always buy travel insurance and I have the same places that I always go to buy it. And so I say that on my website. And if, and then it took me a long time to tell those people like, hey, would you cut me in on some of this business I'm sending you? Okay. But now I've finally done that and they do, right? So the places that I go to and use, I tell other people about it. And then if somebody else buys a policy through that same company, then – I'm gonna get a little piece of the sale, but it doesn't cost the person anymore. Like the person buying it's gonna pay the same price no matter what, it's just a matter of like, does that company keep all that money or do they like give some to the little guy or the little woman?
0: But it's not just how you earn your money. Casey says the key to van life is how you spend it.
1: I like to cook a lot, so I'll buy a lot of groceries instead of like, I used to like go out and spend a couple hundred dollars on a really nice meal a couple of nights a week because it was I like that. And now I'm like, I'd rather cook. So then I can go off and I can go see something I can go drive for a weekend and go see like if there was a eclipse somewhere or an event. So that has really changed. And it's amazing how many things that we have that we really don't need. And if we look how we spend our money, and the less money we spend, the less that we have to bring in. So that's why like with campsites, if I could have a free campsite, that would mean I would I wouldn't have to work as much, and if I had free campsites for two weeks straight, that means I didn't have to work as much or bring in as much money because I wasn't paying for those. I really didn't splurge. I didn't spend. No, wasn't necessary. A lot of people now kind of call me cheap, which is funny, but I just don't randomly spend money. Like I just don't buy random things just to have things. I really sub budget. And I look at my bank account on the road. I started looking at it every day. And I'd write in how much money was coming in and how much I was spending. And I would just cut away from that. And if I didn't have enough money to drive somewhere, then I would stay until I had enough money for gas. And then I would move on.
0: For somebody who's Mm -hmm. interested in trying van life, is there anything that you Mm -hmm. wish you knew before you
1: started? I wish I would have known to take it a little bit slower, um, to enjoy it a little bit more, instead of just kind of trying to conquer everything, just kind of breathing. And I think that I, since I felt like I just went, went, went and wanted to see so much and do so much. And, you know, I booked a lot of work on the road because I was scared that I wasn't going to have enough money. So I would just overbook myself and be from town to town. And I got really burnt out because I over, I kind of over committed myself. And so it, it processed over really well to the the tour trip in New Zealand where I would take that time to enjoy. So I wish I would have slowed down a little bit and enjoyed more and not have you get really freaked out, I do have to say, at the beginning, but it's okay because by you're like will be an old pro by the end. And so I think a lot of it is just having that that mental state of just enjoy that moment is really important. So freaked out by the, sorry, I
0: didn't mean to interrupt.
1: Oh, no, no, just freaked. I mean, everything like, oh, God, I was freaked out by everything, like being alone and being scared and camping at sites by myself and or just staying at places by myself. That was scary. Not thinking I didn't have enough money and would spend money here and, you know, not there and, you know unexpected things happen to my car like a flat tire and being scared you're in the middle of nowhere and that you're gonna just like somebody's gonna come and hurt you or something you know this the stuff that you make up in your head but it's all just in your head and just kind of enjoying that moment that I feel like that's really important
0: you've said that van life changed your values and your thoughts in life and even how you thought about the universe how would you say that um how would it all affected
1: you? you know I just it it taught me the 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 value of experience you know they always talk about that 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 success and getting money and and finding stature and and I know that we're as a society are kind of moving away from that quite a bit because I think we're starting to see that that's not really what makes us happy and my value is in more a connection with a person or a place more than with a material possession and my thoughts on like a career and profession like I always thought I needed to be like the top and the best like jeweler or artist or something and now I'm just I just I just want to be happy and enjoy my time and whatever I need to do to bring in some sort of money so I can go and do more I'll do. So it's really kind of changed and passing that message on, and, and the fact that you can live any life you want to live. It's up to you. I feel like that's really important and passing that on to the next generation and seeing myself in like young girls and that just want to go out and do, but feel scared or alone or something, and just bringing that community in. So, you know, there's been a lot of changes. I feel like I'm a totally different person and I'm way more grounded and I'm just way more simple and enjoy the the little things in life.
0: I always think, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to Uh -uh. regret having a nice meal with your friends rather than slaving away in the office for a few more hours. So... I totally get what yeah.
1: you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I've kind of looked at, you know, death quite a bit, which is really kind of interesting when you're looking at living life and kind of when you face some scary things, you, you think about death and, you know, one of my mentors and good friends, Rod Savage, she's an ocean rower. She's the first, I think, and maybe only woman to row solo across the Indian Atlantic and Pacific ocean. She's freaking amazing. And, she changed because she was corporate she was a big influence in to my changing to adventure lifestyle and she was in corporate world and did this obituary exercise where she wrote her obituary if she continued her life and if in the obituary if she led like this life that she dreamt about and reading the two like final paths of each and how she felt from that really influenced her and made her change her her ways of 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 living life and i really feel like that's important to see like to look at the end and say you know if if things were over tomorrow what what are the things that you would love and and cherish and you know i can't take material possessions with me when i cross over i can't so you know why why I put all this money and effort in buying like a brand new car, you know, just to appease my ego when I am not going to be able to take it anywhere when I could really just, you know, we, we put it, these pressures on ourselves to like have this job. And and I, I'm not saying like slacking on paying your bills or responsibilities, but, you know, taking out more debt to it's like that whole rat or race cycle that we've talk, that people have been talking about recently. About you know that I had you know it's that marketing of oh I need to buy a new dining room set and then I but I don't have the money so I pull out a credit card and then I got to work more and then you're just constantly working for somebody else to pay for these things instead of really experiencing life. And so if you look at it, how can I? make do and not get into debt and have no I feel like the lower overhead you have the better off and the more freedom you have to really experience and do life and the less you can work and the more you can experience and enjoy because we're not built to just go and work yeah we're built to experience life
0: yeah and it's not even just material things like I own yeah almost nothing I've got like a
1: computer mm-hmm.
0: and a few other things, but I put a lot of pressure on myself. Oh, I have to meet this de- like self there's self-imposed deadlines, but I've got to get this blog post out and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And I actually oh, yeah. was listening to a uh, Gemma's ticket to blog podcast. She was just making the point like, you know what? No one cares. No one like people have lives right? and they're not going to freak. If you didn't get this blog post out at this certain time, the le- the world goes on. And so never miss a sunset. <sighs> Because you had to, like, post something on Instagram or something like that. And that really resonated with me.
1: Absolutely. You know, that was part of this this New Zealand trip. Because I was like that, too, when I was van life. And even after um, and up until this trip to New Zealand, I was always like, I have my monthly youtube video i have my blog post i have this i got to and i got to post instagram it's got to be and it's like why who is telling you like you are you're the one that's telling yourself that you need to do this and you know we feel guilty because it's like oh i have to like work really hard and it's like yeah you can still work hard and i love to work hard but i like to work hard a little bit differently like riding across new zealand on a bike you know and so When I was in doing this trip, my fiance, Joshua, actually, he took over my Instagram account. He's like an IT guy and he's so good at all the stuff. And so I would send him photos and say, you know, have at it. And so people thought I was posting, but it was him Mm -hmm. and I loved it. I was like, this is great. (laughs) I don't want it because it was this nice break because like you said, it was the cell phone post pressure that I was putting on myself and I'm like, I'm not going to do that well. I'm ex- having this experience. I'm gonna watch the sunset.
0: My mom was just visiting me for two weeks, and usually when she visits me, I'm working long hours at a particular job. But now I'm sort of doing my own thing, but still sort of doing like the self-imposed pressure that I just mentioned. But then I like make an effort to get out of my head and be like, if this is the last week I see my mom, you know, if this is the last conversation uh-huh. I have with my mom. I want it to be a good one. And so I always try to get in that space. Like if I'm too tired and a friend wants to hang out, I'm like, you know what? This could be the last chance I ever see this person. I'm going out. And I always have a great time.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, that's what I try to think of too, like when I'm tired. And like yesterday, um, Aaron, my brother, and Joshua wanted to go to Dunedin. Dunedin, Dunedin, Dunedin. But it's like a, a an art city about three hours from here. And I was just like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm, my body hurts. I don't want to go. And I was like, you know what? Go experience this. Like, you're in New Zealand. You have only, like, a week left. And <laughs> just enjoy and take that time. And we went. We had a great time. And we drove back late. But we had a, it. was amazing. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like just remembering those moments, and and also, it's okay to say no too. It's just living your life. That's what it comes down yeah, to. And like I you mean, said, being in that moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, you can take time to rest and like do what you feel needs mm-hmm. right. But just remember, the people you love are not always going to be around. So
1: exactly, that's, and that's important. With that.
0: So, where are you going to be living now, post New Zealand?
1: Back in my hometown um, in Lincoln, Nebraska. And that's where I'll be based for now. We'll see what happens.
0: So, you're engaged now. And so, how is this going to affect, or how has this affected your solo travel lifestyle?
1: Yeah, actually, we get married tomorrow. What?
0: Oh my God, why are you talking to me? (laughs)
1: Yeah, why? Because. Are there preparations
0: to be made? Oh Oh, oh my God, tell me everything. I.
1: Well, you know, we're low key. We're chill. So it's just going to be, you know, we're Castle Hill in New Zealand, which is like a really spiritual place. We were going to get married in Joshua Tree. And after this trip, but we had to kind of postpone things. because this, I mean, spending 30 days on a bike in New Zealand just takes a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) of energy to prep and whatnot. And so we kind of postponed things. And then when I was on the, the tour that connection became even stronger and the connection with our families became stronger and we were like we want everything to merge together. And so we decided, Hey, let's get married in New Zealand. So, you know, it does change things. And what has changed too. And one thing, you know, I'm big into solo traveling has been kind of like my MO for a while. And a lot of it was to really find myself, I felt restricted from other people. And I really wanted to experience things on my own as myself and see how I deal with things. And I really experienced them on my own. I feel like that's a really important kind of like walk about what rite of passage moment I feel like everyone needs to do something along those lines regardless if it's for a week or you know traveling alone or doing something alone I think is very empowering and very essential for development as as a human but really things have changed where the adventuring will still continue but now I have someone to, to come along with me so that's really exciting so I'm really looking forward to that next chapter we both are about Going off and adventuring, and but doing it as a pair, which will be—I'm so excited for that.
0: Well, thank you so much for speaking to me today, Casey. Where can people find out more about you?
1: Um, my website's caseofthenomads.com. Um, Instagram, all my handles are caseofthenomads, um, and anyone can reach out and and questions, especially about if anyone's interested in van life or um, doing the tour A to or anything kind of like bike camping and touring i would be more than willing to share the information that i have learned
0: well thank you very much and congratulations have an amazing wedding tomorrow thank you so much and thanks for having me okay optional homework write two obituaries this weekend one for the end of the life you're currently living and one for the end of your dream life what needs to change to make your ideal life happen Does it involve road tripping across the US in a van? Because I think that sounds like so much fun. As mentioned in the house-sitting episode, Gemma will soon be launching WanderLife.co, an online platform connecting the van life community. You can sign up at WanderLife.co to be alerted when it goes live, probably end of May. There's also a few spots open for beta testers, so head to WanderLife.co if you're interested. Next week, we are going to learn about how we can be more responsible travelers, from the products we buy to the volunteer projects we participate in. I will be speaking with Shannon O'Donnell, who in 2013 was National Geographic's Traveler of the Year. This was for her work connecting travelers with social enterprises and grassroots initiatives all around the world. Shannon has been featured on NPR, National Geographic, BBC, and many other media outlets, and she is such a great storyteller, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss it. I'd also love to hear more suggestions from you about the cities or travel topics you'd like to learn more about, so come visit me on postcardacademy.co to say hello and let me know what you'd like to hear about. Finally, have you told a friend about this podcast yet? Please do. Word of mouth is the best way for people to learn about it. So grab someone's phone and help them listen for free on their favorite podcast platform. That's all for now. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful week wherever you are.
1: I got this shiwi thing this like female like funnel thing before I went on my trip because I was like oh you know for safety I don't want to get out at night in some weird place and it was horrible like you, you couldn't pee you you had to like slow down your pee because it would overflow and so my friend was like just go get a funnel at the hardware store and I was like oh my gosh that's brilliant it's a dollar so I went and got <laughs> one of those and I get water jug and drink the water and just Put an X on it and be like, okay, that's the P jug.